<clears throat> to uh, to say that I've enjoyed the day seems uh, like not enough. <laughs> not enough to say for the uh, wonderful spirit that I, we felt today, for the wonderful uh, preaching, the prayers, and if I can make one observation, I like how y'all sing uh, at Providence Primitive Baptist Church uh, in Mississippi. Um, the song services services have been uplifting. Uh, they've been edifying, I believe, to the body that's assembled here today. And most importantly, they've glorified God. Um, and I know earlier today, uh, there was make, make mention about some that might think I don't have a gift. And some might, might, some might think, well, I don't even have the gift to see. Uh, I can't carry it to the Lord's listening to what's coming out of your heart and not what's coming out of your mouth. And it's as beautiful uh, to him. It's a sweet smelling savour that lifts up. In the Song of Solomon's, the, uh, the bridegroom says, let me see thy countenance and let me hear thy voice for sweet is thy voice. Uh, so I encourage each of you to continue in your service to the Lord and the singing uh, of wonderful praises to his name. Uh, I told Brother Jerry I was going to introduce for him tonight, and he got sort of sideways with me, so I will be mindful of the time. I know it's been a full day, and uh, I'm anxious to hear what the Lord's put on Brother Jerry's heart. So I do stand in need of your prayers as you continue to pray as I stand before you. In the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, in concluding his thoughts, asked two very important questions. Uh, o death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Uh, now, the Apostle Paul, I believe, answers them immediately, right? Uh, he says in verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, the thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is really good at asking very thought-provoking questions in uh, all of his epistles. Sometimes he takes a little while before he answers them. But I submit to you that I believe the Apostle Paul answers every question himself that he asks in his epistles. This one, I think, was an immediate answer for an immediate reason. We all know what the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians is about, right? It's the, it's the resurrection chapter. Uh, it is a, a chapter of great encouragement to the saints of God. It's a chapter of great clarity on the doctrine of the resurrection that the Apostle Paul puts forth. Uh, it's a, a great clarity on the doctrine of faith that the Apostle Paul puts forth. And it's a great uh, clarification of the doctrine of hope that the Apostle Paul puts forth. So when he gets to the end, you think, uh, why didn't he end with... Uh, Verse 54, right? Why didn't he just stop with verse 54 about, you know, this corruptible shall put, uh, should I put on incorruptible and this mortal shall I put on immortality? Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Brother John Mark, I'm glad I didn't write the Bible because to me that would have been a great place to stop. But the Spirit moved the Apostle Paul to keep going and ask these two questions. Amen. And I think these two questions being presented to the reader not just to the church at Corinth, 
But I believe for even us today and those that will come up after us are two questions that needed to be answered. Because the resurrection, the, the doctrine of the resurrection is so foundational. It's so fundamental. It's that in which we hope, right? Uh, we hope for the promise of His coming. We hope for the morning to end all mornings when time is no more and the saints of God will be raised uh, in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's what we long for, right? But the Apostle Paul says, O death, where is thy sting? Have you ever thought about the fact that perhaps, and maybe not perhaps, well, I'll speak for me, that I've thought that question before about the sting of death. The sting of death that we experience uh, in this world, that we experience in the here and the now. And the realization that um, we as um, mortals here below, the sons of Adam, if you will, uh, that as soon as we're born, we begin to die. Uh, in fact, one of our songwriters says, and am I born to die? I mean, it's a, it's a fact of life. It's a reality of uh, the human being that at some point, we're going to die unless the Lord comes again before it. Uh, I'm of the mindset, as somebody mentioned today, uh, I pray that I not only am I alive when the Lord comes, but that I'm in the congregation of the saints praising His matchless names when we hear a shout from the heavens and we see the sky torn in two and behold the Savior uh, descending uh, in the cloud of His saints. Uh, and with all his holy angels and raised by his voice from the dead. Everybody that's been placed in the tomb and carry away in the heaven of the morning glory, body, soul, and spirit, uh, every child of grace. Uh, I'm telling you what, I, I pray that I'm alive. But, uh, but like the brother said, my been brother Philip, it doesn't matter if I am or not. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I am or not. I used to have some, some different thoughts for those of you who don't know me. I used to have some different thoughts about, you know, how amazing would it be to be in a cemetery on the morning of the resurrection? You ever thought about that? Uh, or how about this? How about standing on, uh, on the beach uh, and watching the, the bodies rise? I tell you what, it's in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We're not going to be looking or watching or anything. When we hear the shout, our eyes will immediately be cast upward in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. That's not the blink of an eye. It's faster than that. We'll be changed, uh, reunited with soul and spirit, and carried into heaven in a mortal glory. Uh, that's really the core of the resurrection or the doctrine of the resurrection. Paul talks about it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as well, among other places. But let's get back to these two questions. I'll keep an eye on the time, Brother Jerry. Uh, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Some might say, well, you think the Lord would have done something to prevent death. No, that's not how it works. James is really clear about what death is brought from. Uh, it says, lust is, when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The Apostle Paul even says the sting of death is sin, and to further compound that, the strength of sin is the law. So this death sting that the Apostle Paul talks about uh, is something that um, he clarifies, if you will, in the preceding verses, and I won't go back and read for essence of time. In the preceding verses, 
that there is something about death uh, that we simply, positively have no need to fear. Brother David Montgomery, I like Brother David Montgomery, the way he puts some things sometimes, and he put it to you this way. It's not death that, that I'm afraid of, it's dying that scares me. <laughs> and that's really good summation, right? It's not death that I fear, it's dying that scares me. It's the process of that death. And brothers and sisters, we, we live the process of death daily in our lives. And yet the Apostle Paul says there was a sting of death. There was a sting of death. But I submit to you, brothers and sisters tonight, that the sting of death is not something that's laid at your feet, and I trust laid at my feet. The sting of death was laid not at the feet of, but on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ on Mount Calvary that day. Uh, the sting of death was, if you will, consumed by the work of the, the, the spotless Lamb of God that came into this world to live uh, and to, to be born, to live, and to give His life for every child of grace. And the way the sting of death does not uh, have an impact on us, I'm not saying dying doesn't, right? That's going to have an impact. That's the result of sin. And the culmination of that is death. But I submit to you tonight that the reason the sting of death has no concern for us is because my Lord and your Lord suffered the sting of death for every child of grace on Calvary's cross. The Apostle Paul clarifies that in the second chapter of the book of Hebrews in the ninth verse when he says, But we see Jesus uh, who was made for a little while lower than the angels. Why? For the suffering of death that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Every man. Every man he tasted death for. And he consumed uh, the sting of death. Uh, he uh, obliterated and overwhelmed uh, the sting of death. Uh, the, the same apostle in uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, uh, but made himself of no reputation, and took on him the form of a servant. And being found, found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Not just any death, but the death of the cross. And we could, we could ponder and think, why this and why that? But suffice it to say, he went to Calvary's cross as the sin bearer uh, of, God, uh, of the saints of God that he bore on his body on the tree of the cross. Uh, uh, all the sin uh, of the elect family of God. And he did it the way it should have been done. He did it the way God intended it to be done. He did it so well that he satisfied the righteous judgment of God on Calvary that day. Uh, the, the, e the easiest way to transition in that is to go from my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me at the apex, I believe, of his suffering on Calvary until just not very long later, uh, he says, uh, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. I, I, I'll give you this today, that Jesus Christ uh, suffered for every child of grace on Calvary. And then he suffered death, not just in the sense of uh, dying, but he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Amen. Even the death of the cross. And when he consumed, when he died that day, I believe he consumed death that day. Amen. I don't believe that he left anything uh, behind for us to do. 
I don't think he, think he left anything behind for himself to do in that. But when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And I believe, thank you, Brother Tony, I believe that's exactly what, what, what it was. It was finished. No more work to be done. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you that there's not work to be done in this world. There's plenty of work to be done. I believe that you've worked the works of grace today in your service unto God. And that's something that we must do in our lives. But when it comes to the eternal uh, justification and redemption and atonement of the saints of God, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. Why? Because Jesus paid it all. All the debt I owe. He paid it all. But he didn't just pay it all. Then he submitted himself unto death. He commended his spirit to God. But his body uh, left hanging on the cross. Don't you like how uh, Nicodemus and Joseph. Nicodemus uh, seemed to get over his stage fright, Brother Sonny. Because he and Joseph of Arimathea approached Pilate and begged the body of Christ. I'm sure Pilate thought... Why do you want that? I, we don't have time to get into the description of the body of Christ by the time everything was said and done. But they took his body from that cross and put it in Joseph's tomb. It was a new tomb. Hadn't been used before. And don't you like to think, give you a little more insight into my somewhat crazy mind, don't you like to think that Joseph perhaps had a thought in him that he's, I'll still be able to use it because he's not going to be there long. He's not going to be there long. Oh, death, where is thy sting? There it is. There it is. And they placed his body in that tomb. And they sealed that tomb. And for three days and three nights, that body remained in that tomb. But I'm telling you what, just like nothing could stop him from going to Calvary, Nothing could prevent him rising from the dead on the third day. There was nothing in this world or out of this world that would prevent him from rising from the dead. And in rising from the dead, he, he uh, showed forth publicly that the sting of death had been consumed. And he also showed that the grave has no victory. Not one little bit. People say that when Jesus Christ gave up the ghost that perhaps the devil thought, well, that's it. I, I did my job and he's gone. Won't have to uh, have, have anything to do with him again. I know that's what the Pharisees thought, right? Uh, boy, how upset their cart was when these apostles started preaching. They would beat them and they'd leave rejoicing because they were beaten for the cause of Christ. <laughs> he's, not, he's not done. He's not gone. Even the disciples thought, that's it. That's it. The two on the road to Emmaus had such a, a drawn countenance as they walked from Jerusalem to Emmaus that night. And Jesus appeared to them and didn't uh, show them who he was. And he, he says, why? Why do you look this way? Why are you talking this way? Why are you so sad? And they said, art thou a stranger in Israel? The Jesus of Nazareth, who we thought... Who we thought. We thought he was it. We thought he was the one. But boy were we wrong. You know how Jesus replied to them? Oh fools. And slow of heart to believe. Ought not Christ. To have suffered these things. And afterward entered into glory. <laughs> and it says. He preached to them. From Moses and the prophets. 
And he preached the best sermon about himself, which is something that we better not do. I'm not going to preach a sermon about Mark. The Lord bless, I'll preach a sermon about him. But it'll pale in comparison every time to the sermons Jesus Christ preached. But oh, what I wouldn't give to have heard that sermon. That sermon had an impact. You know, preaching is not to uh, save sinners for heaven. Preaching is to save us in the here and the now. That grace in this life, Brother Sonny, that you talked about. That's what preaching's for. And I submit to you, I believe I was saved time and again today. Every time the songs were sung, every time the prayers were prayed, every time the preaching uh, uh, of the gospel was done, I felt as if I was uh, renewed and refreshed each and every time. And that's a feeling, brothers and sisters, that I like. But I tell you what, those two on the road to Emmaus, that was a marvelous sermon because when they, when they got to Emmaus and the Lord kept walking, they reached out and they took hold of them and said, don't go. Don't go. Why? We want to hear more. We want to hear more. This sounds really good. Don't you wonder if they thought, you know, this sounds a lot like the preaching that we heard while he was alive, but it, he's dead. And the Lord went in with him into their house. And it says he took bread and he blessed it, he broke it, gave it to them, and vanished out of their sight. And then they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us in the way? And then got up, and yes, I agree, ran the fastest six miles right back to where the other disciples were and said, we've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. How about when uh, on the morning of his resurrection when Mary went down to the tomb to anoint his body? And he wasn't there. And he was behind her, and she supposed it was a gardener. And she said, if you'll just tell me where you've taken him, I'll go get him. I just came to anoint his body one last time, and all he said was Mary. And she laid, I believe she fell at his feet and laid hold of him, and I believe she had no intention of letting go of her risen Savior when she realized who it was. And he said, I'll put it in my words, Mary, now's not the time. We'll have time for this later, but I've got a job for you. I need you to go back and tell my disciples and you tell Peter that I uh, am risen, I ascend to your God and to my God. (laughs) The sting of death is over. (laughs) It's gone. Because he took it away in his, his own death on Calvary's cross. The sting of death is no more. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, he talks about, uh, I would not have you to be ignorant uh, concerning the, uh, the great trials that came upon us in Asia. He says, well, we were pressed above me- uh, uh, out of measure and above strength and despaired even of life. Brothers and sisters, perhaps there's been times in your life where you felt like you've been pressed out of measure. Got nothing left. <laughs> you got nothing left. And above strength, I'm too weak, I'm, I'm too tired, I don't know what to do. And perhaps despaired even of life. But then the Apostle Paul says, but we have the sentence of death within ourselves. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. You know what the sentence of death is? It's the response to death. It's the response to death's call. Uh, I tell you what. Uh, the saints that have gone on before. We can read about the saints that went on in biblical times, right? 
In the Old Testament, it was often talked about how they drew their legs up and they went to be with their fathers. Jacob, uh, when he, after he got through blessing his sons, he says, uh, uh, I'm going to die and I'm going to be gathered to my people. Uh, but you take, you take my body back to uh, uh, Machpelah. You take my body to the place that Abraham uh, bought and you bury me there. Even Joseph said, uh, uh, Behold, I die, and God will surely visit you. Uh, he will carry you up out of this land uh, into a land that he shall give you. And when you go, you take my bones with you. Amen. You take my bones with you. I'm telling you what, uh, I've, 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 uh, I've been in hospital rooms before. Uh, while a saint of God uh, is at, on the verge of passing away. Uh, and there is a, uh, uh, the, you can see the, uh, the pain of dying experiencing by then. But every time that I've been in that position, every time I've been at that position, the pain of dying, it seems like there's a threshold. And it comes to an end and you see a wave of peace uh, overtake. Uh, that saint that's laying in that hospital bed or that nursing home bed or in the bed at home. And how many times, well, uh, I apologize for the personal reference, but on the night my mother died, uh, she was laying, she'd been, her eyes had been closed uh, for about three days. Uh, and um, the hospital called and, and Ward went up there and he said he was sitting there. As mom lay there, and you could see the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, um, all the machines that would detect her heart rate and her blood pressure and everything. And Ward said you could see them, you know, as they would slowly drop. And he said at, at one point, uh, when it seemed like the, the pain of dying had left her, uh, her eyes opened wide. And he says, I don't think she was looking at me. And I don't think she was looking at anything in that room. I think she was looking beyond the veil uh, that she was about to cross. Oh, that the Lord Jesus Christ had descended and said there's one uh, more saint that it's time for them uh, to be relieved uh, from the pains of dying and experience what uh, I like to call grace to die by. And I believe God gives every child of grace grace to die by. And I believe I've got scripture uh, for that and his name is Stephen. Uh, I don't believe it. It says uh, that when they were stoning him, they ran and gnashed on him with their teeth and stoned him. It says that Stephen looked up and the heavens opened and he saw the Son uh, of God uh, on the right hand. And then Stephen says, Behold, the heavens open, and I see the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Uh, I don't believe he felt the pain of those stones. I believe God had already dispensed a grace to die by and Jesus Christ was standing at the ready uh, to reach down uh, and to lift him up, his soul and spirit up from this veil of tears. Uh, I believe, Brother Philip, uh, in angels. I really do. Uh, there's a scripture that says when Jesus Christ says, don't offend one of these little ones because their angels are beholding the face of God in heaven and immortal glory. Uh, but while the angels watch over us uh, in our life, uh, I'll tell you this. I don't believe the angels uh, will pick our souls and spirits up at death. I know you don't, Brother Philip. Uh, but I believe Jesus Christ himself. He'll have the purchased possession of that soul and spirit. He died for them on Calvary's cross. He suffered the pains of death so that we wouldn't have to. And he dispenses grace to die by uh, so that every child of grace, without exception, there are no uh, exceptions to that, 
Every child of grace experiences that grace to die by at that last moment of life. I can start going down the line of people whose rooms I've been in. Brother Joe Tyler. I can go, I talk about others. I won't mention names. I don't want to offend uh, anyone. But uh, so many people that, that talk about how right at the end, their eyes open and you can tell. They're not looking at their loved ones here. They're beholding the face of their Savior. I'm not much into, I'm not much into uh, artistry uh, when it comes to things of, of the Bible, but there is one picture that I like uh, that I found one day uh, on the internet. And, it's a, and it, the title of it is First Day in Heaven. And there's the Lord. And there's a, uh, one of His saints uh, that has their arms around Him. And the artist is, was able to depict how I believe it will be. She had no intention of letting him go. And I think that goes for every child of grace. Right? Right? Oh, that song uh, uh, Brother Jeb led today. Uh, the verses are a little bit different in this book than they are uh, in the, uh, the good old songs. Uh, one of the verses in the good old songs that I like, well, I like all the verses, but one of the ones that seems to me every time is when the writer says, In round my senses clay, Assemble those I love and sing of heaven, delightful heaven, my glorious home above. Uh, brothers and sisters, that's the absence of the pain of death. Uh, that's the absence of, of things that we would be concerned about in our lives. And that's the presence of grace to die by and the presence of the Savior Jesus Christ as He calls yet another child out of this uh, walk uh, of life into heaven and immortal glory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You know, the grave has no victory either. It has no victory. Jesus Christ, you often hear uh, the ministry say that He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He didn't leave the grave out of it. That's why the Apostle Paul says, where's the sting of death? It's in Jesus Christ and what He suffered on Calvary and submitted Himself to death. Where's the victory of the grave? One of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life is, was to be asked to preach a funeral. Now, I didn't know it at the time. But when I got there, I realized I was preaching to those that had no hope. In fact, I heard one of the sons say, well, that's it. We're done. We'll never see Daddy again. And I'm telling you what, it was like somebody reached into my chest and ripped my heart out. And I realized nothing I could say could change what they were thinking. But I believe there's coming a day that they'll realize that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. You know what Machpelah, the place that Abraham bought to bury his wife Sarah... In. You know what that word means? Well, it's rendering in its, in its purest form, it means double portion. James Strong renders it this way. A fold. It's a fold. Abraham buried Sarah at Machpelah. He placed her in a fold. The thought might be of covering up with a blanket. The Lord Himself talked about Lazarus sleeping. The Apostle Paul says 
in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Like somebody said this, that in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of John, that he said Lazarus sleepeth, and one of the disciples, not sure which one, said, well, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. He said, at first he said, Lazarus, our brother, is sick. And then he tarried, I think, what, three, four days. And then he says, Lazarus, our brother, sleepeth. And they say, well, if he's sick and he's sleeping, that's probably what ought to be happening. Then the Lord clarifies it. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. Don't get me wrong. He's dead. He's dead. And he laid in that grave for four days. And when Jesus said, show me where he is, Martha said, he's, or Mary said, he's been there four days. Surely he stinked And he said, roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. And he prayed to the Father, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And out he came. Maybe he told the disciples, loosen and let him go. And there's another sermon in there, but we don't have time for that, Brother Jerry. <laughs> loosen and let him go. The Lord raises him from the dead. We need to loosen and let him go. You know, there was a, Jairus' daughter, the widow's son, yeah. and Lazarus. Three resurrections that the Lord performed to show that the grave has no victory. Amen. Job says it well, doesn't he? Oh, that thou wouldest hide me in the grave. That thou wouldest keep me secret until thy wrath be past. That thou wouldest appoint me a set time and remember me. <laughs> and remember me. Right? Hymenaeus and Philetus. They said they have overthrown the faith of some, saying the resurrection is past. You know what preaching that there is no resurrection renders? A victory for the grave. It's a victory for the grave. Paul says they've overthrown the faith. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure having this seed, the Lord knowing them that are his. And that everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If we have realization that the Lord knoweth them that are his, that if we name the name of Christ and we know that he knows who we are and where we are, then we should depart from iniquity. Right. Those are the two right. seals that he talks about in that verse. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Amen. You know why that Machpelah being a fold has such a deep meaning? Sarah, I think Sarah and Abraham, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob, when he was talking to his sons there at the end of Genesis, he says, that's where Abraham buried Sarah. That's where Isaac and, uh, and Rebekah are. And he says, and that's where I buried Leah. He goes, and when I die, that's where you're going to bury me. You're going to put me in a fold. You're going to put me in a secret place until his wrath is passed. He's going to appoint a set time and remember me. There is no victory for the grave brothers and sisters it will not have a victory it's just a fold that we put the bodies of our loved ones in 
awaiting the day when the Lord Jesus Christ rends the, he- rends the skies and descends from heaven with a shout. If that's all it is. That's all it is. That's how we continue on in life in hope. How many of us have experienced the tragic loss of loved ones close to us? Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, grandparents, children, children. I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter. In the womb, out of the womb, their sting of death is not there. It's not there. The sting of death is been obliterated by Jesus Christ. So if they die in their youth, if they die in their infancies, the sting of death is not there. They die in the womb. The sting of death is not there. We appreciate all the prayers that have gone up on behalf of our grandson Eli. Catherine and Seth's youngest and Nick you there in Austin, Texas. One of the hardest phone calls that I ever had to take was that of my oldest daughter after being told everybody needs to come up here. He's not going to make it through the night. You think, what do you say? First thing I said, Brother Philip, is his angels are beholding the face of God. Second thing I said was you don't understand just how many people are praying and the power of prayer is real. But Catherine, if he doesn't make it through the night, you'll see him again. And I know that's not easy now. But it's what's in your heart. And he'll have no more suffering. I mean, it broke my heart on many levels. I stand in the driveway of Elder Troy Phillips when that call came through. And that brother lifted me up in an hour of need. Got home, told Carolyn Graham, lots of tears. Went to bed that night thinking, well, at some point in time tonight, we're going to get a phone call. Woke up the next morning, nothing. I woke Carol up. I said, did you get a phone call? Nothing. Carol said, I'm taking this as good news for Eli. So I sent Kathy a text. They said, we're heading to the hospital. She called later that day. She said, the doctors that were so sure that death was imminent when we got there said, it's nothing short of a miracle. Amen. I'm telling you, there ain't, his angels were beholding the face of God. <clears throat> and then yesterday, the day before, we got some really good news. The doctors are now convinced that he'll go home. I don't know when. 
but he'll go home. And right now they say he'll be fine. I submit to you that if that wasn't the case, you're right, brother. Everything be all right. Why? Because Jesus Christ suffered the pain of death for us. Then he conquered the grave and gave us his victory over the grave. So that now, no matter how long our lives progress, I trust that when it comes my time to lay down in death, that that grace to die by would overwhelm me. I can't wait to open my eyes and not see the wall or not see the clock or not see uh, anyone else, but to open my eyes. And there he is, the one who loved me. The one who suffered for me. The one who died for me. And the one who rose for me. And then everything is really going to be alright, Brother Tracy. I mean, it's going to be gooder than good when that day comes. But that's not enough for him. He'll have his purchased possession, Brother Mark. He'll not be denied it. And it doesn't matter where, how, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, Brother Jerry. It doesn't matter. He knows everyone and where everyone is. And faster than that, out they'll come. And he roded his righteousness. And then death will realize, I didn't have anything at all. I was just a fold for the bodies of the saints that have gone on. And now the Lord has come and brought them forth from my grip that I never really had to begin with. And then we'll walk into heaven in immortal glory with Him. I believe shoulder to shoulder. A little bit further down in Hebrews chapter 2, He says, Behold I and the children which thou hast given me shoulder to shoulder into the gates of heaven to live for that eternal day in perfect praise. Yeah, the singing here has been real good. Singing here has been real good. It'll be lodged in my mind, I trust, for the rest of my life. But there's some singing going on there, brothers and sisters, that far surpasses anything we can experience in this life. I'm ready to do some singing up there. I'm ready to behold my Savior as He is. I'm ready to stand in the throne room of God and sing a praise to Him that He has saved me, that He has redeemed me, that He has called me out from this world into the place that truly is my homeland. May He richly bless and keep you is my prayer. Come here.